This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Because I had a tough year. I lost my dad in October. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not through COVID. Oh, thank God. I was like, but uh, but he, uh, he passed away, you know, stroke and it was sudden and, you know, I've had, I'm having to deal with that with my family at the moment. And, you know, it's to the point that it kind of clouded my, what's the meaning of life? What am I doing? What the hell am I doing? You know, grief messes with you. And it it wasn't, uh, so this is like my first venture out back to the studio, back to like, in five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. We have a very, <laughs> very special guest today. I've actually been listening to her music mm. for damn near over a decade now. Wow. And so, you know, when I when I followed you, because I don't really follow that many people on Instagram because I don't use the platform that much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I started following you and you messaged me. I was like, oh shit, fucking Melissa Polnar is <laughs> fucking messaging me. That's crazy. Because I just, I, I don't really, like I'm on Instagram, but not as much, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at my page, it looks like trash. There's no theme. It looks like somebody's grandma is running their page, which is my shit. You know, so when I uh, when I followed you, because I for some reason doesn't connect that the people that I listen to, I don't really follow them on Instagram. I don't know why. I don't I don't necessarily follow everybody that I listen to as well. I don't really keep track. I think we're not a part of that generation where it's like almost customary that you do. Yeah. And if you don't, it's actually offensive. And I didn't know about that shit. (laughs) Like people are like, oh, how come you're not following me? It's like, am I supposed to? Like, do I have to? Like we're we're talking, we're having a conversation. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was fine. But I remember I saw your stuff and years ago when you first started, uh, when I first saw you, it was, I can't even remember the name of the song, but I just know. And when I heard it, your boy started tearing up. I I was in bed and I just had teardrops go into my eardrums. (laughs) You ever cry into your fucking earlobes? Like, oh, shit. Oh, sensitive guy. But I think it was the first song that you did that kind of blew up. It was you. Would just was it a- meant to be? Was it a love song? It was a love song. So I'll bring it. I'll show you right now. Girl, is I'm, it? There's there's two, I think, that was. There was two that blew up. But the one that I try saw. Try and meant to be. It was try. Oh, so like there's nothing, nothing I can Yes. Do. And I was like, what is this? Who is this angel? <laughs> Aww. This it was probably <laughs> probably till this day is probably you know what I like too it's it was original music mm-hmm. and at that time and even still till this day everybody only does covers and so when I saw a singer songwriter it blew my fucking mind yeah well there's a history to that um, before YouTube even happened for me I was signed as a songwriter in Nashville under like a Warner Chapel oh company. shit well that fucking makes sense then. <laughs> Okay. So I was, you know, I'm I I was raised in Texas, but I was always been I've always been musical growing up. You know, I was in choir, I was in orchestra, I was in band. I was that geek, yeah. musical geek. Um, and also too, I think music kind of is a form of my communication. I'm pretty introverted, into you know, very reserved, and I basically made friends because of music. So I just kind of mm. did that, kept doing that, so people will come to me. 
you know, it's it's one of those things that where, you know, sometimes they don't know how to talk to me. But when I sing a friend or play or perform, it's like that's when people gravitate to me. And like I actually make relationships that way, yeah. you know, from friends and whatever. So <clears throat> I guess through like I think junior year, senior year, I went you know, I would do gigs in the summer just because I was very motivated to just do shows on my own. And one time I just did a coffee house show and some executive found me. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. And I, 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 I was even like unsure. I was like, can I trust this dude? <laughs> like, well, of course, some random guy comes up. <laughs> you have talent. Come meet me in the back room. It's yeah. like, oh, hold on I was a like, second. No, wait. Yeah. yeah. So I gave him like my demo that my brother and I kind of recorded in his bedroom. Like it was really like not sophisticated at all. I just gave him my contact and all that stuff. And I went back home and then I got a phone call and said like, hey, we're from Warner Chapel and we want to invite you to Nashville. And this was teenage, you know, teenage years. Yeah. And my family, I didn't grow up with a momager and a dadager. It's just like me just driven by the love of music. So one thing led to another, started negotiating a publishing deal, which is basically I didn't even know existed, which is songwriting. Mm -hmm. You write songs for a living, literally. Yeah. Um, the purpose was to um, develop me as an artist, but they didn't know what to do with me. Because oh. Asian from Texas sing soulful playing the guitar and piano like what the hell do we do with this girl yeah and this was you know you gotta keep in mind this was before social media this was before youtube uh shortly before youtube and stuff <clears throat> so but i was naive i thought it was like well if they like my talent they're just gonna love my music but mm -hmm. industry doesn't work that way they're gonna look at you and like you assess know, your value pretty much yeah so Fortunately for me, I had a few people who believed in what I did, but didn't quite know what to do. They still signed me to a publishing deal, which is basically songwriting. Yeah. So it's not a not a record deal. Okay. So a record deal is basically you record and they will market you, whatever the hell they They have a whole do. budget behind you to market yeah. you as an artist. Yeah. So publishing deal is more of like just songwriting. Not just, it's a big deal, but it's a it's songwriting, but kind of like the implied purpose of developing me as an artist, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. um, long story short, couple years in, my boss or my creative directors left. It was like a revolving door of CEOs. Which happens a lot. A in lot. In, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here I was very, you know, naive. And like I moved to Nashville briefly because I was wanting to do it 100%. And I did it kind of like against my family's wishes because obviously they wanted me to become a nurse. <laughs> of course. And, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So I kind of, I wasn't really a rebellious kid growing up, but then that was kind of like my subtle, like veering off into my own path decision. Um, yeah. And so um, I was heartbroken. That was like, I, I keep telling people that my first heartbreak wasn't a dude. My first heartbreak was music industry. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I went back home to Texas after like everything fell through, like everybody left in the company, new people took over and they didn't believe in what I did or just didn't see anything viable in my artistry. Yeah. Went back home, kind of went back to college, took all these, you know, went back for um, PR advertising. Okay. <laughs> Just for the sake of finishing mm -hmm. um, a college degree to appease my family. <laughs> and uh, and then YouTube started to happen. That was, the that was, so YouTube was kind of like my reincarnation in a way. Yeah, that's pretty nuts because your, your skill level proceeded what most people have when they would do their first video. Yeah. You don't see that. 
And so when I, when I listened to that song, I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> I was like, how did you write this? <laughs> you know? Well, it, it's interesting because I did see the pattern of like, you know, Asian American artists who do a lot of covers, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I, at that point, I was, I already had like a catalog of songs that I'm like, why am I going to cover other people's songs when I have these songs? I know it's le- the less, the least or less popular thing to do, but that was kind of what drove me to share more original stuff. Yeah. And so actually the first song that I shared was meant to be. That was like the wedding song that still to this day, a lot of people still sing on their weddings. Well, th- that's the thing about your music though. It's like, <laughs> I I always gave a lot of shit to a lot of like YouTube musicians, right? Because the title <laughs> of musician is very, very important to me when I hear that type of shit. And I just had, hold on a second. People are calling <laughs> me up and shit. You're crazy. We on a podcast. But there was that title of being a musician, but none of them could really create their own music, right? And not to say that every artist does, mm-hmm. but, you know, on top of that, they wouldn't have written original music, whether it was somebody else did or they did it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so hearing somebody create their own music, which was really fucking good. And your shit was like radio ready, you oh, know, thank you. which was very odd. Because I know, listen, you know who the fuck you are, you YouTubers. When you put out your original music that you wrote yourself, I really wish you never wrote it yourself. <laughs> Terrible. So you should have got somebody else because they think it's easy. They think mm-hmm. that it's like writing music is so fucking hard because when I, I I have a couple of friends who are really famous producers, they let me sit in these writing rooms mm-hmm. and I'm watching what these people do. It's fucking hard. It's hard. It's, and everybody's like fighting for points. Yeah. It's like, hey, I, I wrote that part. I mm-hmm. did this. And like, I want points for that. It's like, yo, this is just a very cutthroat industry here. Yeah. And it is a very cutthroat industry, but um, I've been very fortunate to be in, a, in rooms where I think my backtrack to my experience in Nashville and all that stuff as a teenager, I think I also learned a lot of tactics of like finding the right people that who who are compatible with my creativity. Yeah. So I'm very strategic of who I work with and um, especially for producers and other songwriters or um, yeah, just creative. I think because of that experience, it, it gave me a little bit of like a know-how of like, also kind of like a tactic of when I go to a room with like three, two other people. So it's like a three way. There's like kind of like an implied, you know, agreement that it's split three ways even. Mm-hmm. So there's no fighting for points. There's no like I wrote, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I wrote yeah. this line and that line and that line. I think if you have that community uh, kind of mentality to it, it makes it so much easier. And when people are more at ease, they become more creative and just more open. Yeah. Which makes the session better. So um, that's kind of one thing that I do too with with co-writes or collaborations. But it is overall a very cutthroat industry. I'm not going to... How, how, <laughs> did, how it. did it feel for you when <clears throat> you went from being the published writer to going into YouTube and kind of having your face and your name attached to this music too? Because that's such a different vibe from just, you know, having your product taken by somebody else versus people get to attach the music to your face and your likeness. I mean, I was, you know... First of all, I grew up in Texas in a not very diverse community. Yeah. So I've always been like this <clears throat> token Asian friend, token, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, uh, and then when YouTube started to happen, obviously it was the Asian American community that gathered and like, like embraced me. And mm-hmm. to a point that when I started doing all these live events for Asian American communities and colleges and universities, I kind of had a culture shock. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, wow, like these kids actually know my songs word for word. And like, uh, I think one of the first shows that I did um, was in Inland Empire. 
and I posted my song Meant to Be. And that was like one of the first songs that I posted on YouTube. And then that very show, people were like singing along and that freaked me out. How crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that insane though? Very insane. And I just like to this to this day and I, I think back about those memories and I'm just like, oh, that's that was a great memory. Because I know things get really hard in the industry. It's not always uphill it's always just up and down and sometimes those memories kind of like propel me to the next thing and to be inspired to do more writing i guess (laughs) isn't isn't that crazy though like how you can create something that's probably more simple to you but it becomes like a more complex thing to everybody else like your your music too it's like i still listen to that song till this fucking day and when it pops up i remember where i was when i first listened to it yeah. So it's like, I mean, I was super young. I was just getting over like breakup or some Aww. shit, you know? So like, these are the musics that become like very mm-hmm. attached to our emotions. Yeah. And you know what I feel like when a singer songwriter does that, like a piece of you ends up being a part of everybody else's yeah, life story. It's, it's like I'm part of their, your soundtrack, yeah. you know? And, and it's funny because sometimes, you know, I would meet random fans wherever I go and um, they would literally tell me like a life story like background of like how they met their yeah. wife or husband and they use this song for proposal. They use, and it's, it's so cool because it's like as a loner, you know, introverted person, it's like, I feel like I have a lot of friends that I didn't know existed. Yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> when did, when did you start writing music for the first time? Probably 15, 16. Oh, wow. And I got the, the, I mean, I've always been musical. I sang a lot mm-hmm. since I was a kid, I, ever since I can remember typical Filipino things, <laughs> piano lessons, yeah. violin lessons, and um, and then guitar was uh, something that piqued my interest because everybody in my, you know, my friend circle started playing guitar, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so sixteen, fifteen, and then I got my deal around like eighteen. That's crazy. Yeah, and then that that occurred about three, I would say four years because. You know, they don't sign you right away. They kind of like do a test run with you. Then they sign you. Um, and then so by the time 21, 22, that's when kind of YouTube life happened. Mm-hmm. So 10 years in, or so in, that's that's where I am right now. <laughs> that, that's insane. When, when you write music too, like how, how, what's your process like, right? Because, you know, trying to do that was has always been hard, right? Especially mm-hmm. like- like I always say to first, first, easiest, second, verse, the worst. <laughs> you know, um, like- yeah. Well, anything goes, I don't try to, con- you know, confine myself, but I'm very melodically inclined. Mm. I think mel- melodies just come very easy. And then um, I think because of my background with, you know, my training with songwriting, I think I became a better lyricist, but I don't think I was born a lyricist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I usually start, Melody, chords, then lyrics. And then I weave in lyrics as I go if I have like a spark within while I do my la-la-las and the the blurbs and all that stuff. For Meant to Be, what was your inspiration for that song? So that was not a personal song. I actually, it's it was kind of like a songwriting exercise for, How me, crazy. for myself to, for a friend's wedding. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, as instead of, because they wanted me to sing for the wedding anyway, right? And they, I think they asked they originally asked me to sing um, At Last, Etta James, okay. which I've always sung on a lot of friends' part, weddings and stuff. But I was like, why don't I just write a song? And hopefully they like it. And and also just kind of had the idea of putting it on a CD and like give that as their wedding gift, you know? 
Um, How lucky. How <laughs> fucking lucky of you. <laughs> this was a long time ago and I didn't think much of it. I just thought like, well, it's, it's, this is going to be fun. So I gave that gift, that CD, like, like a week before their wedding or something. And then she, the bride listened to it and was like, you know what? I'm going to play this. I'm, I want you to sing this when I walk down the aisle. And so I'm like, what? Like, yeah. it's like a new, like a revision in the program because she loved it so much. And so that's what I did. Slowly stars go out each night. Dark meets light, kiss the sun night. New day comes as all life's just begun. You're now mine, and every time you hold my hand, there's an understanding of who I am. New life is born, unlike before. I'm not. You can feel it in the summer breeze Tonight the world's at ease You are the one for me After all the waiting I can finally breathe Earth and sky say what they may Love you all throughout my days. Happiness happens when our hearts combine. When it's you I'm with, I come alive. It's just so clear to see, darling. We are meant to be. Your love is like amazing grace Sounds so sweet I could almost taste I've been given more than what I could ever ask for I am yours You can feel it in the summer breeze Tonight the world's at ease You are the one for me After all the waiting I can finally breathe Earth and sky say what they may I will love you all throughout my days Happiness happens When it's you I'm with, I come alive It's just so clear See, darling, we are meant I feel at home whenever you're around I feel so secure, so Safe and sound, what else can I say? 
What else can I say? You are the one for me After all the waiting I can't finally breathe Earth and sky Say what they may I will love you all throughout my days Happiness happens when our hearts combine When it's you I'm with, I come alive It's just so clear to see, darling We, we are meant, darling We, yeah, we are meant, darling We, yeah, yeah, we are meant We are meant to be. This podcast is brought to you by IP Vanish. If you are out there and you don't have a VPN, a virtual private network by IP Vanish, you, my friends, are missing out because people are stooping on your data. You need a VPN and you need it. IP Vanish, my friends, just like I have. It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're having a good old time on the internet or not, nobody should be in your business. Nobody should be collecting your data. Well, guess what? Because you don't have IP Vanish, that's what's happening to you right now. Here's everything you get with IP Vanish anonymous IP address. This means your personal IP address can't be tracked by anyone on the web. Circumvent any online censorship. Get protection when using public Wi Fi. Super important. So go to ipvanish.com slash brain claim your 65% savings. They have plans starting at just $349 or $3149 a year. This is the time to sign up with our discount and the current promotional offerings. You can get a VPN for 65% off their usual offerings. IP Vanish is the best of the best, even rated 4.7 out of 5 on Trustpilot. And that's with more than 6,000 reviews. So show these guys some love. They are repeat sponsors. Remember, it's ipvanish.com slash brain to get the deal and start protecting yourself online. And then um, that was the intention of the song. And it wasn't until I had that I put it on YouTube that it became bigger. Because otherwise, if I didn't put it on YouTube, that was just going to be there. Like, that's yeah, it, yeah, yeah. you know? And there was no, like, marketing push or putting it out there it was just you know that's how that's how youtube used to be though and we were talking about this earlier today Mm -hmm. like the kind of like how youtube started back in the day there was no objective it was just we create just because we want to create Mm -hmm. and what that allowed for the space to have was a lot of different content whether it was good or bad it didn't matter to me at the time it was Mm -hmm. like at least we have different choices well now everybody's content is relatively the same it's just a different yeah. iteration of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the hard part. Because when people ask, like, who do you watch on YouTube? It's like, I watch people fix cars. I watch mm-hmm. people. I watch, like, DIY channels. <laughs> like, yeah. This is what I watch. I stop watching personal content because a lot of people stop being really personal with their stuff. It yeah. became very formulaic. Mm-hmm. When I when I watched, like, content back in the day. Like, I remember when I first watched somebody like Ryan Higa, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't my cup of tea. And people were like, well, how come you don't find them funny? It's like, because it's not what I laugh at. I never said I didn't appreciate his stuff though. Mm-hmm. I It was different. It's just not the shit that I grew up laughing at. I grew up at fucking stupid hood shit. So <laughs> when I saw his stuff, I was like, ah, oh, this shit's like corny childish shit. But, yeah. You know, 
but people say, oh, so you don't like his stuff. I never said that. Mm-hmm. I like his stuff. Yeah. I just don't personally find it funny, but I like what he does because mm-hmm. it was so creative and so fucking different. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to find that nowadays. When somebody shows me their channel, it's like, I already know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to say. I know the jokes that you're going to do. Yeah, it's 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 kind of sad, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. It makes me sad. I don't even go on YouTube as much anymore unless if I really, like, for example, like I need to troubleshoot something in the computer. Yep. <laughs> It's very purposeful now, yeah. you know, I'm like, okay, like I, I'm sorry, I started redoing my yard right, yeah. at the back area and I've been doing it for like the past week uh-huh. and I've been going on YouTube watching other girls do their stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, what is this? What's boho chic? What is this? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm learning all this new terminology, right? Yeah. I'm like, damn, that shit's tight. And I'm watching their videos over and over again. Yeah. It's very purposeful. Like, but before I used to watch it for entertainment. Yeah. I remember personally when I got introduced to the whole YouTube Asian American community, you know, it's like whoever posts a video, I would just go watch it mm-hmm. just for like, oh, I want to know what he's doing. I want to know what she's up to. It's like, it's almost like your friends mm-hmm. um, posting something and then you just want, you're curious uh, yeah. what they're up to. And yeah, I, I miss those days. Yeah. You know? And I, I mean, you're, like I said, the biggest difference was from you. Like, I think when I heard other YouTube musicians, mm-hmm. I stopped listening to a lot of their stuff because I already knew they were going to do a cover. Of the number one hit of exactly, the moment. Exactly. <laughs> because they're trying to get this algorithm. Yeah. And they would do nothing with the song. So it would just be, it's like, I would just listen to the original artist. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I didn't want that. And yeah. I felt like, you know, there were a few people within, you know, the, the musician community who have, who has told me at that time, it's like, Mosa, you should do more covers. So you should be, you can get more subscribers and bigger. And I'm just yeah. like, nah, you know, I, that was kind of the sacrifice I made, you know, cause people always say, why aren't you, you know, you should be like bigger or you should be like more popular and all that stuff. I think it's just because I'm not driven by that in a way is to my detriment, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, when it comes to the, the YouTube hustle or like that stuff, um, uh, but it's, you know, but at the same time, now years later, I can look back and say, I stayed true to myself. You know, it's yeah. like, that's who I and am. I, I have no problems with covers. Like covers are yeah. f- fucking great. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, what are you going to do with it is the question, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the part where it was just like, I always give shit to my buddy, Jason, Jason Chen, right? Okay. This, the, the, the fucking, the, the cover masturbator is what I call yeah. him. This guy. <laughs> Like I've never seen somebody do so many fucking covers. This guy has never missed a cover a day in his life. Like fucking is literally covers never sleep. That's his. That's his shit, dude. He. Just, but it's consistency, though. I yeah. respect it. I totally respect the game. And he came on the podcast and mm-hmm. he was talking about how like yeah, like it stopped being so much fun for me. Now it's just like it's a program. Now I just do it all the time. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I could tell. Like you sing with literally zero fucking soul into yeah. it. Like it's just you're robotic with your shit. Mm-hmm. And you know, at times too, it's like. Why do it? But, you know, for him, it's just he's been doing it for so long. This yeah. is his routine. Mm-hmm. And I, that's where it starts to make me a little sad, too. It's like, well, you have an ability to be a great musician, whether you choose to do it or not. Yeah. But why do something that you dread? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't live like that. Yeah. And and the thing is, I think psychologically, music has always been my haven, right? Mm-hmm. Or my way of coping with the world and dealing with the world that for me to turn it into something that is stale, and repetitive. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think deep down I knew I couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever I put out there, whether it be on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, it's because I wanted to do it. Yeah. It's because I was convicted to do it. I know it's kind of an idealistic point of view and way to do things. And it's not necessarily the most efficient or I don't know, like. Yeah. I mean, 
But that's the difference though, right? Like yeah. there's objective and purpose is very different, yeah. right? So if your objective is to get as many eyes on you as possible, yeah. yeah, do the top one hit covers, whatever. Yeah. That's going to happen. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But if your objective in life isn't for fame and notoriety, mm-hmm. then what's the point? Yeah. You, you're still getting nothing out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's it's really where you place value in things. Right. Yeah. So you know, we talk about this all the time where I'm like, yeah, I could have done pranks. Pranks are the easiest shit ever. Yeah. Like it's at the sacrifice of somebody else's comfort. Mm-hmm. And I can do that all fucking day. Yeah. But when I look back at my life and they're like, oh, you're the guy who did pranks. Cool. Let me go fucking kill myself now. <laughs> you know, I can't live like that. Yeah. I just can't live like that. Yeah. Like people place, people like to place their personal values onto you mm-hmm. and they don't ask you, what do you value? What do yeah. you care about? Mm-hmm. And they measure you, there's your success based on what they find valuable. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's your measurement of success. Yeah. Like you can't put that on me. Yep. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So um, I think deep down, I knew that or if I, I, I internalized that without mm-hmm. really being, um, you know, sometimes I'm not very articulate when it comes to that stuff. But like, yeah, so I, I was just driven by just creating. There's just a high when I m- make new songs or like this past, this last week, actually. You know, I was in the studio like three days straight, create like wrote one song, second song, and then third song. I, I did all the vocals. Like that stuff to me is very exhilarating. Yeah, fucking three. How the fuck do you do that? <laughs> how is it possible? It's it's fun. You know, uh, uh, you know Jesse Barrera, I don't know if you know Oh, him. Jesse is fucking amazing too, yes. by the way. He's an yeah. amazing musician, He's like producer, my, everything. You know, I would say consistently one of my main partner in crimes when it, when it comes to production and writing That's songs. Crazy. Yeah, so we just decided like, you know, it's been like a year and a half since I've been back. And I was just like, um, let's write a song. I don't have anything in my head right now, but let's just show up. So yeah. I just, that's what we agreed on. And we wrote, it's like, yes, you know, riding a bike and it's fun. And I, it reminded me because, you know, this past year has been pretty tough for me personally, like a lot of people, but, um, you know, it reminded me that like, this is really what I, you know, want to do. And it's good though. Like yeah. I, I always enjoy that because, you know, I talk about uh, this a lot on this podcast where I talk about, you know, I just said it before, purpose and foundation. Like mm-hmm. if you go, always go back to what kind of makes you tick, mm-hmm. you don't ever feel like you're losing anything, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. you love music. Like mm-hmm. for a lot of people, music becomes their savior, mm-hmm. right? It's a way of expression. And like you said, for yourself, when you started off, you're a very reserved, mm-hmm. quiet person. And so a way of your expression is your music. Mm-hmm. And there's probably no other way you would have been able to express yourself outside of music. Pretty much. Because, <laughs> right? Because it wasn't, because yeah. if you're somebody who's a little more reserved, mm-hmm. how do you do it? You do it in the art form that you really connect with. Yeah. And that was music for you. Totally. So it's kind of crazy though. Like how, with the same effect that you had for yourself, you gave it to other people too. And, yeah. You know, and it's a great, it, it's a good feeling too. It's, it's, it makes me feel like I'm doing something good in this crazy friggin' world. Like it's very overwhelming. Like even just, reading the news and stuff and watching the news. But how, how was the pandemic for you? Um, to be honest, in the first the first uh, couple months, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. I don't mind being alone and being <laughs> isolated. Yeah. I mean, obviously I was kind of, you know, I was sad that I couldn't do shows. I couldn't travel and all that stuff that I would usually do pre-pandemic. But then like, I just hunkered down and like, you know, planned like online things a lot more and, and I did obviously online events for for colleges and stuff like that. That kind of sustained me. And the only collaborations that I did during the pandemic was with Jeremy Passion and Gabe Bondock. So the three of us wrote a few songs within 2020. 
Um, um, which, by the way, you're invited to the show. Yes, I'll be there. You know what's crazy? I saw you. I remember I messaged you or I tagged you guys. I was like, what the fuck? When did this happen? Like there was literally a, a, a collab album you guys did. I didn't fucking yeah, know about it. Yeah. I was like, oh my, my word, what's going on here? Yeah, it's, it was kind of a like an organically formed idea. It was at the beginning, it was just me and Jeremy did a show together and it went well. And then all of a sudden, like, why don't we add Gabe into the mix? And Gabe agreed like a year later to do three of us do a show all went well. So we did a lot more shows after that. So it became kind of like a touring kind of lineup. And then all of a sudden we just said, why don't we go to the studio and just do like a trio thing? And yeah, it's, it's been really like a cool combo of talent because, you know, we're all in the soulful realm, Yeah. but like, you know, Jeremy's more nineties R and B and I have music soul child. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then like Gabe's a little bit more of the, the John Mayer-ish kind of guy. John Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm more of the folky kind of like, you know, singer songwriter, but with a splash of soul in there. So it's like the three of us kind of bring, you know, like different palettes of soul. And then we just put it all together. You, your guys, you guys had a, it's interesting with the influence that all three you've have mm-hmm. like on a, a lot of like young people growing up, specifically Asian American kids when it came to music, right? Mm-hmm. Because when it came to a perception of what like Asian Americans can do specifically in this realm of music, mm-hmm. it, there wasn't a lot of representation. Yeah. Well, because they, we weren't taken seriously. Exactly. You know, <laughs> we were like either karaoke singers mm-hmm. or they never knew that, you know, Asian people can sing. And yeah. so I remember even in high school, mm-hmm. um, Jeremy started blowing up yeah. and it was like these little, it was uh, lemonade, mm-hmm. like lemonade blew up. And then uh, next to him was Gabe. Mm-hmm. And there, there was like this, who's better? Do you like Gabe better? Do you like Jeremy Aww. better? Like people would always argue that yeah. back and forth. And it was, they're they were, different. They're so different. It's so different. The genre is different. <laughs> it's like, you can't even compare it. It's like apples and oranges. Yeah. Like I like apples. I like oranges. Yeah. They're both very fucking different yeah. though. We're but, a fruit salad. Yeah. <laughs> It's all that everybody was so unique, but that Mm -hmm. that song Lemonade blew the fuck up. I mean, it's still going strong. To this day, people still know that song. Yeah. That that song (laughs) helped me lose my virginity. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So you want to talk about fucking using music? Like, I use that song to get pussy all the time. Jeremy, thank you so much. I I lost my V card because of you. It was the worst sex she ever had. (laughs) 100%. I had no idea what I was doing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But that's when I started picking up a guitar because oh, really? I heard music like that. I mean, there was Christian music. I was, I was mm-hmm. a church boy, you know? Yeah. So I played simple chords, but mm-hmm. I was like, what are these chords? They sound so different. Yeah. It's not your classic fucking G, A, B, C, mm-hmm. you know, there's like, it's like the major sevens. Yeah. All these and- diminished. I'm like, what is this noise? It sounds so good. Yeah. And he was the first introduction to that shit. I love that. That's awesome. You know? And I was like, oh, this, this, this is way different from mm-hmm. what I was normally taught. Yeah. And then it just started expanding everybody's musical pl- palette. Mm-hmm. They didn't know this stuff. And I just remember hearing him and I mm-hmm. love music soul child. I was mm-hmm. like, he definitely listens to a lot of music soul child. Yeah. It's funny. Our friendship sparked back in MySpace. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. He, he actually reached out to me, uh, to, because he was currently in a long distance relationship at that point, And he wrote like a half of a song and he was like, um, I would, I think he already had the idea to make it an, a duet, but it wasn't finished. So yeah. he, Apparently he was already a fan of my music and he reached out to me and said, like, I, if if you're down to finish the song with me, you know, he's very reserved too, another shy guy. And I said, yeah, sure. And we, it ended up to be Paper Airplane. I don't know if you know that song. Yes. Yeah. So that song became like the first introduction 
of for the both of us as collaborators and friends. What's hilarious is that he didn't think I was Filipino and I didn't think he was Filipino. (laughs) (laughs) Who's this Cambodian man? (laughs) I thought he was like black, half Japanese or something like that. And then he thought I was Puerto Rican. That's fucking funny, dude. You guys are just racially ambiguous as fuck. You don't know what the fuck you are. So he literally asked me when I actually flew to San Francisco where he was so I could record the song with him. And he was like, you're not, are you Filipino? I was like, yeah, what did you think I was? You're like fucking butang. Of course. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I thought you were like Puerto Rican or something. I'm like, whoa. Okay. Because the reasoning behind his thing is that he said he doesn't, I don't sound like a Filipino. Okay. The way I approach singing is not mm. typical of a Filipino female well, artist. You didn't do a Whitney Houston cover. That's why. <laughs> That's why you don't do covers. You fucking make original music. Yeah. It's the most unFilipino thing about you. Yeah, How dare you? It's, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so, and um, also another unFilipino thing about me is that I'm kind of anti karaoke. <laughs> oh my god, hilarious! I honestly feel a lot of musicians are anti karaoke though. Okay. Because okay. there's a lot of expectation mm-hmm. when you do karaoke. Yeah. So it's like, what's it's like f- competitive? Yeah. It's like you know it's I'm like- gonna sing every song I can't sing though. Like that's the point of karaoke. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna do Bruno Mars and I'm gonna try singing in his key and I'm gonna be off key for a solid three minutes. Be prepared. <laughs> you know. I just remember being a, a kid, right? Look, like, because you know family gatherings they they. Of Every course. household has like a magic mic or like a thing. And so a magic mic, if you guys don't know what it is, it's literally a whole karaoke machine like- in a microphone. <laughs> it's like, that's what a magic mic is. Pretty much. Whenever they pull it out, like, you know, for a birthday party, a graduation party, whatever, I slowly make my way out and of just course. incognito, like just sneak out. And the just, pressure is yeah. there. Like my sister loves it. My dad loves it. Like they enjoy that stuff. I just like kind of like, mm, no, Dude, there's always like some random uncle at a family party that just waits. That's his debut. He's like <laughs> waiting. Yeah. Has the song queued up and exactly. everything. I'm like, motherfucker, this guy sings the same three songs every fucking time. And he acts as if we don't know that he prepped this already. Yeah. Like, you prepped this. It's usually like an Elvis song or some, yeah. some Frank Sinatra song or something. Like that. I used to always have a friend like, uh, I'm not gonna say his name, but his uncle, like he, okay. he's kind of sensitive, but he would always like, <laughs> he would always sing the same three fucking songs. It, would, it was like some oldies music. I, don't, I still don't remember what the songs were to this okay. day, but they would ask like, oh, are you going to sing? He goes, I don't know if I'm going to sing today. Like, of course, you know, dude, <laughs> of course you do. And he goes, I don't know. And he goes, let me see. And it's the <laughs> same three songs. I'm like, how do you know the numbers to the song already then, dude? <laughs> Like you're gonna do it, and if nobody asks him, he gets a little butt hurt and shit. Yeah, I'm like, because he knows he wants to impress everybody, and he wants everybody to, you know. Uh, well, just, you know, give them some shine. I know, but it's like it's kind of <laughs> fuck. It was so fucking annoying. We're like, here your uncle goes again. He goes, I know, because especially because he was so bad. Yeah, <laughs> was so bad. That's so funny. I was like, Bro. Yeah, I mean, like songwriting to me is just like another kind of like. I don't know, just another level of creativity that I tapped into that I was just like, I'm hooked. You know, once I started kind of doing it like regularly, that after a while, like if I don't write songs, I get a little antsy. I get a little anxious. That's amazing. That's I wish, weird though. I, I, but that's great though. That means that's <laughs> what that, that's what you're destined to do. If it may, if you're itchy because you haven't done it in a while, yeah. that's what people search for for their whole fucking life is mm, purpose. People yeah. look for that and they don't know what that feels like. Oh. They every day they wake up and they're trying to find that feeling where you where you have something in your life that you know that you can't live without. Yeah. A lot of these kids, when they ask, 
they want to know what that feels like. They don't know. Yeah. There's so many options that they just, they question everything and they don't try to do things. And you know, it's interesting that you say that because I think in, I guess, mid twenties, when I was already in the thick of like the YouTube thing, it's still kind of like an uncharted territory, right? Like, yeah, I I was popular in YouTube and I have this following, but it's still like, you know, a new thing to navigate. There's no like formula, like you should do this, you should do that. Like, I think everybody on YouTube, whether you, you be a comedian or a musician, like at that point in around circa 2008, it's like everybody just kind of making it up as they go, you know? Um, you know, I went back home to my hometown and like my high school friends or like childhood friends are like all fascinated by what I do. And I was so insecure that I was like, you guys have like the nine to five stable jobs and I envy you guys. And I'm over here like just being anxious about like what to do next and what to, you know, I have to formulate everything. I don't have a manager. I don't have to, I don't know what to expect by next month or next year. I don't know how long this will last. And so... But in a way, it's like, I think back, it's like 10 years later, I'm still in it. You know, it's kind of weird to to think that it's like, because I've found something, um, I guess my purpose and in, in, in my calling, I guess, is I'm still here. And then a lot of my friends are just like changing jobs and I don't know, a I'm little saying. lost. But about- there's, <laughs> there's, like a, there's like a struggle in that though, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, you know your purpose, but look at all the stuff that you had to go through. You had to go through the whole Nashville experience. Mm-hmm. And even after going through all that shit, you're still doing what you like. Yeah. And that's that's the important part, right? And I always say that about people who want to go into entertainment. It's like, do you really want this? Or yeah. do you like the glitz and the glamour? Well, you don't know about all the shit that you have to deal with every fucking day to be yep. in this position. Yep. It's hard. You are scrutinized for everything. Everything. Especially like as a female musician, dude. Like mm-hmm. not only are you scrutinized for your music, which is the last on the list. <laughs> it's about how you look, you know, yep. like that's the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've dealt with like, you know, body, you know, mm-hmm. issues. Like I, I was very insecure about how I look, even just because I grew up in a community where like, you know, being Asian isn't really looked at as beautiful necessarily, you know, and it, I had to find that inner like, like self-love in a way, yeah. especially when I started like seeing younger kids who look like me, who look up to me and listen to my music. It's like, if they look up to me and like, listen and are inspired by what my work, then I have to kind of walk the walk and talk to talk and like, feel good about who I am, you know? And I had, it's almost like I had to backtrack with my healing. Yeah, <laughs> on that yeah, end. Yeah. <laughs> was it, was it hard for you growing up because you were like, you were the main Asian person in that area? Is, or is that? It like- wasn't, I mean, I'm not like saying that I was, you know, bullied or whatever. It's just like, you're always going to be different. You know, mm. people were nice to me and people were, um, you know, I guess they like what I do and stuff, but there's always that feeling of you're not, them or like I wasn't invited to everything or you know you're always kind of the extra yeah friend yeah yeah, (laughs) optional friend that like oh okay do we invite Melissa or no yeah I don't know so I've always been um just I think I had to be okay with myself you know Mm -hmm. uh and so like songwriting is a loner activity I don't need anybody to write songs so yeah (laughs) well I mean you also talked about like you mentioned like you had body image issues and stuff, yeah. which I feel I've had that conversation with a, a lot of like female artist friends, right? Oh where yeah. They, it's they, very common where they feel like, you know, 
everybody has an opinion about how they look first mm-hmm. before their art, right? Mm-hmm. Which is very fucking true. Like, yeah. especially in this space, more so than how guys get it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a fact. Because like for me, I've been fat my whole life, <laughs> but nobody gave a, really a fuck yeah. about it. Because yeah. I was a comedian dude. I was a funny guy. Mm-hmm. So it was okay. Mm-hmm. But then you, you kind of put that on the other shoe of a woman and she's like a bigger girl that just mm-hmm. becomes who they are and a part of their identity yeah you and know? it's just you know and it's also too cultural you know in yeah. my family it's like every filipino whether you're you're bigger or not they always kind of body shame you in a yeah, way. even though they feed you everything that's <laughs> yeah. brown and not and a single then, vegetable and then like and then like when you don't eat and you lose weight it's like oh you're not eating enough go eat yeah it's, it's like, like what do you want from me what and it's like it's like why did you gain so much weight i don't know everything is pork <laughs> Everything is pork and rice. Do we have a fucking vegetable in this white house? White rice too. Yeah. Not even brown. It's yeah. white rice. It's like the only thing that's not brown is the rice. It's like, <laughs> it's like we have vegetables in the pancit. Like it's in there. It's yeah. brown now though. So yeah. it's not a vegetable anymore. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. So um, you know who has helped me with dealing issues with like being female in the music industry? Love don't fight it Give in to love and love don't deny it Together the walls will come crashing down To the ground and finally see the stars There'll be moments The blanket at night will hide us in silence But together we'll spark the light in our and take flight and finally see the stars and the longings of our hearts will subside and rescue us from Love don't fight it Give in to love and love don't deny it Together the walls will come crashing down To the ground finally see the stars There'll be moments The blanket at night will hide us in silence But together we'll spark the light in our Eyes and take flight and finally see the stars. Oh, 
walls will come crashing down to the ground. Finally, see the stars. There'll be moments the blanket at night will hide us in silence, but together we'll spark the light in our eyes and take flight and finally see the stars. Together the walls will come crashing down to the ground and finally see the stars. This podcast is brought to you by Liquid Death, my friends. What is Liquid Death? It sounds a lot more intense than it actually is. It's actually delicious spring water. Now, I bet you're wondering, why would I buy a can that looks like beer, but when it's just water? Well, that's the thing, guys. What you don't know is that a majority of recycled plastic Recycling plants don't want to recycle them because they actually don't make a lot of money for them. But aluminum cans, yes, they are 100% recyclable and super profitable for those companies. So they always recycle them. So you're actually saving the earth. Liquid death is death to plastics, which is why I love this company. Do you hate the fucking earth? How dare you drink water out of a fucking water bottle? Drink it out of a liquid death can. I love it. I actually even got pulled over once by a cop because I thought I was drinking beer as I was driving. And I explained to them it was spring water and... Well, wasn't their face red, you freaking idiots? Dude, Liquid Death is the best. You have to try this out. And by the way, um, if you're not drinking water, what are you doing? And if you are going to do it, you might as well do it like this because Liquid Death is the shit. So remember, my friends, go to liquiddeath.com slash brain to get a free set of koozies with your first order of any case of water or just grab some at any Whole Foods or 7-Eleven. My favorite, favorite drink of water. Cop yourself some liquid death. Is a is a India Ari. So I don't oh, know if you know her, but I love India Ari. Oh yeah, so she's like I. That's kind of like a cool story right there. Um, so when I was back in Nashville, mm-hmm. um, they you know my, the the team that I was with or was assigned to me, like, what do we do with Melissa? What kind of producers? What kind of sound? Um, and then they finally found like an idea was just kind of cool is like acoustic soul record, which India's first major album um, was all produced and written in Nashville. Oh yeah. She's from Atlanta. Right. And then okay. they recorded yeah. everything in, in Nashville. Um, and then a lot of her producers for that record were all based in Nashville. So they were like putting all the, I guess, I guess the building blocks of like, Oh, let's write with this and that and that because of India Ari. Because oh. India was, you know, she was kind of the pioneering sound of R&B sounds with acoustic instrumentation. And since I was doing that and I had the soulful sound, they were like, oh, why don't we kind of model Melissa's artistry that way? But then before all that stuff happened, I worked with one producer uh, that she worked with. His name uh, was Blue Miller. Um, but after that, everything fell through, right? <clears throat> Years later, I started working here in Nash- uh, in Los Angeles. I got to write with and record with David Ryan Harris. I don't know if oh, you know him. Oh shit! Yeah, how fucking crazy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, that was that was another story. I just messaged him on Tumblr, and he said, "Sure, let's work together." And I went to his studio and his house. He, he's like one of my favorite people, and 
And what the fuck? Well, hold on a second. You're just like, hey. And he goes, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, basically, it was, remember Tumblr? You know, those Q&As? Yeah. So I think, so ask me anything. So I, I kind of like just messaged like a fangirl and said like, I'm a fan. It's not a question. I would love to work or sing with you one of these days. And I didn't put it as anonymous because I want him to like click on the link to check out my music. And I think he checked out my YouTube or something like that. And that's that. all it took? That's all it took. And so How like- fucking nuts is that? <laughs> That was kind of like a miracle. But anyways, it led to me working with him. I got to know his family. Like I would occasionally in the past have visited his house just to kind of have dinner with him. It's like a cool relationship that I have. Like even the first show back in Hotel Cafe a couple of weeks ago since pandemic, he was the first show and he called me up on stage just on a whim. And I had to just go like my my anxiety levels were just up the roof, but I went up and sang something. I don't know what I did, but all this to say DRH or David Ryan Harris is like one of my favorite people. And he was working with India Ari. Wow. And what, and you know, years ago, he just called me and, and like, I was in Texas at that time. He was like, well, I just wanted to let you know that I'm working with India Ari here in Atlanta, writing songs with her. And we just spent like a good hour watching your YouTube videos. I'm like, that's crazy. So ever since then, like India has kind of like been, oh, when I met, when I finally met her in LA, you know, I was starstruck when she was in the same room. And again, being a reserved chick, I didn't want to introduce myself. She went across the room and actually said, are you Melissa? And I said, yes, I'm India. Here's my number. That's what she, she did. I swear. So ever since then, she and I would like text. We wrote a song together eventually. I opened for her um, tour back in 2019. That was She's not the been like a big sister. Huh? Holy shit. That was like two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was before the pandemic, right before the pandemic. And, you know, it, it's been kind of, and I just released a song with her. And, um, yeah, it, I feel like those moments and those that kind of like stories that I can tell, it just kind of makes. Could you imagine though? I mean, all in a YouTube little. It's you know, crazy. Room. <laughs> isn't, isn't it crazy how it works out like that too? Yeah. Also, it's like your personal choices that led to this point. Because yeah. imagine, just imagine, right? The videos that she shot, saw were just you just doing covers every week. <laughs> Do you think you would have had that conversation with her? I don't know. 100% I mean- you wouldn't have. <laughs> I guarantee you, you wouldn't have had that conversation. Yeah. Even with like, like David Ryan Harris, he mm-hmm. saw the music that you create, your original music. Yeah. People see covers a million times over, yeah. but it's very seldom that you see people create original music that they wrote themselves yeah. they, from from melody to lyrics mm-hmm. that, they, that they put out. Even now when people say like singer, songwriter or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them don't. Like yeah. they, people don't know that about the industry. Like when sometimes like people like Beyonce, she has a writing credit for it. Mm-hmm. She didn't do shit. Like, she probably changed the line. Exactly. <laughs> but they're like, oh, she's a singer. She didn't write that song. Yeah. Like that. these are just facts. I'm not, look, I love Beyonce. <laughs> I mean, I thought, oh my God, a fly landed here. And I just caught it in my hand. Oh my goodness. I'm a ninja. <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me throw this fly away. I literally just caught a fucking fly in the palm of my hand. That's fucking, oh, I'm Mr. Miyagi. I don't know what the fuck I just did. <laughs> How fucking nuts that? That's like... What the fuck am I? I'm not human. You are not. That was crazy. That's hilarious. History. He caught a fly. Like Mr. Miyagi with the fucking palm of my hand. It's on a fucking video. It really happened. You should have just put your hand out in the I camera know. to, to I was like, My word, I just. <laughs> I'm amazed at myself right now. 
I'm a super. Yeah, but we're talking about like you know artists who write their own music. Yeah, and they get a lot of credit for it, but they don't write their own music. It's not to take away from the artists; they're great performers. They yeah. sing well, but it takes a very special person to write. It takes a lot of a special person or like a really traumatized person <laughs> in what their ab- lives. What, what about with like uh, the song that I connected with? Try like how did mm-hmm. you write that song? Um, I think I was inspired by a dude that like. I know I wasn't supposed to be with, mm. but I was just very drawn to that guy. And I think that was kind of like the, the. it's not really autobiographical the whole way through, but that was the jumping point of that song. And again, it's just kind of sometimes a lot of my songs are a mix of, of real life events, but I mix it with just other kind of scenarios in there. Yeah. That's definitely one. There's a song called Brave Face. I don't know if you know that one, but that's autobiographical. Like, oh. Yeah. So there's some that are very like literally what I'm going through or what I went through. But some are, you know, again, as a songwriter, you have skills to kind of like, okay, I'm going to pull this from this story. I'm going to mm-hmm. pull this from my life. And sometimes it's just a hodgepodge, like a quilt that you kind of woven together into a seamless What was song. that Brave Face about? Uh, well, Brave Face is just talking about like seeing a guy that you used to date and then they were with somebody else. Oh, shit. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like one of those terrible feelings. So like, oh, the, the, the lyric goes, I put on a brave face every time I see you and you're with her. You know, that's all. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's a simple song. Gabe Bondock absolutely loves that song. And he, you know, whenever we do tours and it's like, sing that song, sing that. It's like, I don't want to sing that song. I don't want to be all like self-pity song, you know, like yeah. I hate it. I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> people love it. to be sad i guess but they um love it. that's what yeah. music does like yeah. i mean it's it's also like a generational thing the way like music is shifting now right mm-hmm. because it's very i mean some people can call it overproduced that's how i feel sometimes yeah. where this music is made to be a hit mm-hmm. but none of the music lasts right they, I yeah don't, it's like a machine especially now with spotify there's like billions so and millions much. of songs pushed out every week that's why, like, so I just had Jennifer Chung on, right? Like, oh, Jennifer, I love her. Jennifer is a great songwriter. I love right? her. People don't know that about her either, yeah. right? So they're like, oh, the song, this original. It's like, no, Jennifer wrote that song. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And my fiance for, heard one of Jennifer's songs recently. She didn't know that Jennifer wrote her own music. And I played it for her. And then she started tearing up. I was like, this is, mm. that's that's an age of songwriting that's starting to disappear. Storytelling. Oh. Right? Like, I think it's always going to come back, though. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like... In the UK, they still have that. Yeah. <laughs> they really appreciate R&B. Yeah. They really appreciate songwriting. Um, yeah. I think it's just right now, it's about like pop hits that you kind of remember, listen to for a second and it disappears. Yeah. And that's why a lot of the music that I listen to now, it's, if it's from, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just an old head. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> it is. But the the storytelling aspect of music is a part that I miss because it always gets me to go back to that song and listen to it again. Yeah. And you know what? I also think about the phenomenon in this in this day and age is that people, whether especially young people, they're not given the space and time to have a relationship with the music. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because I remember, I think the reason why all these you know, a generation of Asian American kids like still listen to Lemonade or still listen to Meant to Be and like Gentlemen Don't or whatever. It's just because it puts them in, you know, a relationship with a certain time of their lives, whether it be like an old girlfriend or like just a good time, a simpler time. I I don't know if that happens now because everything is churning up so quickly from TikTok trends to like 
everything is just so fast. It's on to the next one. On and to the, the next, next one. one. On to the next one. It's like, I, that's why I feel like, I don't know. I Maybe I'm just getting older too. It's like, I'm just, it's, you know. it's a societal change now too. Yeah. And I, like, I remember I mentioned this too. Like Jay-Z was talking about this. And mm-hmm. this is what I remember. Mm-hmm. Back in the day when you had to review a song or an album, right? They mm-hmm. were given to very specific critics. So before... If you wanted to be a music critic, you couldn't just put up a fucking blog and just start talking out of your ass. Yeah. Just because you listen to the music doesn't mean that you're a curator of art or that you understand music at all. Yeah. So a lot of these people who would do music or album reviews, they were given the album a month ahead of time. Yeah. For them to listen to the fucking album from song to song, beginning to end. Yeah. And then they place their judgment on it. Yeah. Well, now some song, an album will drop on Spotify and people say greatest album of all time. You didn't even have enough time to listen to it. Yeah. How can you say that? You probably got paid. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So when people say this, they're like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever heard. How? You've only had it for a day. Yeah. Like that's impossible for you to understand what they, it's like me when I, when I first heard, um, uh, John Legend Revolver. Okay. I hated that album at first. I actually didn't like it. I was Ah. like, I don't like this shit. Mm -hmm. And then I remember I was like, wait, hold, let me just. Give it a chance. Give it a chance. And I didn't listen to the song from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. I went skip, 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 skip. And I was like, hold on. Let me just listen to it in the car ride because I was going from uh, Sacramento to LA. Okay. And I was like, let me just listen to it. And I'm like, this is my favorite John Legend album. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you're creating a relationship with somebody's work. Right. So it's like people don't do that anymore. It's just. Yeah, sad in a it's, way. It's sad. Like uh, the amount of effort it takes to become a songwriter and create this stuff. People people just want to digest it and shit it out and then go on to the next yeah. one. Yeah. And I, I, I think for somebody like me, I'm fortunate enough to have a generation of people who still want to have a relationship with, I guess, the work that I do or I've done in the past. So it's like, it's kind of cool. I'm, I'm in that generation of like. You know, the the Asian American folks that still are very nostalgic. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you're always creating like new things all the yeah. fucking time. Have you, have you, I always wondered too with somebody like you and I, and I've always thought about this for other like YouTubers. Like I, do other YouTubers ever hit you up to write music for them? Uh, no. Like, I wonder why not though. It's like. You, I would have be, would have been open to it. But that'd be great. Yeah. Cause, Cause like I, I see some other people was like. You you have the talent, but you can't write music. You know, you know there are people who write music. I mean, <laughs> I would love to do it, but I don't know if there's like a some sort of like a sh- they're, they're they don't think about it, or I don't know. I don't know. It should have been a cool thing. To I, have I always done. wonder too because it's just like it's it's like a genre that people haven't really like. T- they, maybe they feel like they can do it too. Yeah. But then you hear, I listen to their music like you can't do it yet, yet because <laughs> it's not you haven't. That's a muscle. That's a, that's something you have to practice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? And some people just don't. They don't hear it. You know, yeah. we know when we hear good music, but we don't know how to get to that point. Yeah. I mean, other musicians and song, singer-songwriters have reached out to me to write, but not necessarily YouTube musicians. Mm. And I don't know if maybe it's because I haven't been very present with YouTube. You know, I don't know if that's the case, but, you know, I think they just need to know my music outside of music, of, of YouTube to actually know my stuff. Because I don't know if YouTube is really representative of what I do now completely to... I think one of the things that I get really sad about um, when it comes to music too is that people tend to, uh, they don't move past the emulation phase of an artist that they like, right? Yeah. So it's like- Like they wait, the way they sing is exactly the way that, yeah. I like, totally hear it's you. like, yeah. we all have influences, right? Mm-hmm. But when are you going to find your own voice? Yeah. And they stop. They don't, they don't really have that. Yeah. And so I always see it typically when it comes to people who want to, you can see it in their live music. Mm-hmm. It's like, guess what? You don't have Melodyne and Autotune anymore. 
you're going to perform this live and you chose to do a very difficult song. Yeah. So just to let you know, you're going to suck because it's hard. Yeah. Performing live is a completely different art. I love it though. Like that's. Well, let's just be real. Like your tone, your, your vocal tone is really fucking good and you have really good control. Thank you. A lot of people don't have that though. It's hard. It is fucking hard. It's hard. It (laughs) is a muscle though. It's just kind of like working out, I guess. It's just, you know. Um, I, I have to practice now because it's been a year and, I, and, and some change to, since I really did like a full on set. Yeah. Um, so this com- upcoming shows, I'm going to have to really prepare myself. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy though when I see like that, that idea of, I, and I, once again, I see it a lot in people who try to go out and sing and they sing outside of their range just because they heard another artist sing in that range. It's like the range is the least important. It's like, how do you sound? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I always tell this to, um, you know, aspiring vocalists or singer songwriters. Um, songwriting is a totally different, you know, uh, different thing. But like when it comes to your vocals, it's like you have to find your identity there too. Yeah. You know, because it's like, especially for like, I mean, I'm going <laughs> to poop on my own culture, but Filipinos, for example, <laughs> um, they like, they love to emulate. You know, they love, you know, if they love Whitney Houston, they're going to sound like Whitney Houston. If they love, um, it's all about emulating. And for me, it's like, if you have a great voice, that's good. That means you already have the tools to control or improve on whatever you're given or gifted at. But like, you have to find your voice in it. You know, not everybody, like right now, it's like, nobody needs another Billie Eilish. You know, nobody needs another (laughs) Katy Perry or whatever. It's like, you have to find your identity within it, you know? So for me, I think because I started off as a songwriter, I think I naturally just found how I sing and it, it is what it is. Like, this is my range. This is what I usually do. Yes, there's always room for improvements and room for technical things that, that I could improve, yeah, improve on. But like, I feel like I'm just very, um, I'm not a very secure person. I'm insecure, but I'm very secure in that. Like, that's the one thing that I feel like I can own. And then like, this is truly me. Like the way I sing is just really, truly what my voice is, you know, I'm not trying to sing like one or two. Yeah. And I, I hear that a lot because Mm -hmm. people, Oh, like it's, it's really what Bruno Mars did. Like everybody, everybody wanted to cover a Bruno Mars song. They wanted to, I was like, you know, he sings in the key of a fucking woman. (laughs) He's a tenor. He's he's a a true, true tenor. Tenor. Yeah. There's not many voices like that. I mean, that's why he's Bruno, right? Yeah, you know, and the guy smokes like 30 packs of cigarettes a day and he still sings like that. Like you don't have that voice and it's yeah. okay. You could also cover a song and just fucking lower the fucking key an octave. You'll be fine. Oh man. Capo is your friend. <laughs> People don't do that. They always try to sing it. It's like, you don't have to. You got to yeah. find your own voice and your own range. Because yeah. you know? if, if not, it just sounds terrible. Yeah. It's like, well, I hit it. Like technically, I guess, but it sounded like trash. Like, yeah, it's just yeah. hard for people. Like, I don't understand, like, why why it's so hard. And I think it's that karaoke mentality, too. And also just because they don't have the identity. Like, yeah. they don't know who they are as a singer. Um, You know, for a casual singer, I guess it's okay. But, like, for somebody who wants to do it as a living or want to pursue it more seriously, I, I really do encourage people to find who they are as a vocalist. Do you ever have those awkward moments where, like, at a show, somebody comes up and they want to sing to you? And yes. they're like... <laughs> Oh my yes. God. Jeremy and Gabe and I talk about that all the it's time. It's like, hey, can I, like, I just want to sing. Like, let me just say, and it's just like the worst thing well, you've ever heard. Of course you're going to say yes. You don't want to say no. I'm not, like, you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> let me be a part of the show. I'm like, hey, no. <laughs> all right. They appreciate it, but no. 
It's usually after shows or like a meet and greet and they want to like gather around like we want to sing for you. Thank and- you. But no, <laughs> I appreciate it. But this is not the time and place. Thank you so much. <laughs> now they're like, who is this guy? <laughs> just me. You should be like our manager because we're all just like, sure, do it. Sing. You should be the one that like barges in and like, no, get uh, out. I'm like, okay, if, you, if you're ready to sing, are you also ready for the judgment? <laughs> Because I'm going to translate their judgment onto you. They won't say it, but I will. <laughs> that was terrible. Good job. No, no uh, surprisingly, <laughs> some people are really good singers. They're just, you know, they're, I don't know. I never had that much confidence to sing in front of the people that I look up to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, and then they just, I don't know. It's just a different generation. Like, they just want to sing in front of you. I've literally. It's, like, it's, I don't understand it, but like, I appreciate it that they have that much balls to do it. I've had like kids come up to me and they're like, he's like, yo, I want to show you I can sing. I was like, I'm a comedian. (laughs) Go do this to somebody else. (laughs) I was like, I have no sense of judgment for your music. Go this way. Who are you doing this for? I'm a comic. I can say whatever I want. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I just think it'd be really good. I was like, that's great. Yeah. I make jokes for a living. (laughs) Why are you singing? Do I look like fucking Simon Cowell to you? Get the fuck out of here, dude. Yeah, I don't don't know. Maybe it's like the need for validation, I guess. I guess. But you're lucky though, because literally 100% have been terrible. (laughs) I've yet to see one that was good where I was like, wow. It was always somebody who was extremely off key. And and they just can't hear it because they're tone deaf. So I'm like, you're tone deaf, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you could tell when somebody's tone deaf. It's like, oh, you're tone deaf. You can't hear it. Yeah, it's hard. You know, if you're tone deaf, like, how do you train a tone deaf person? I don't know. Like, Like, that's like for a vocal coach to to take on. Like, if you have a tone deaf student, like, how do you tackle that? (laughs) If you can't hear. I've always wanted to just sign up for like Stevie Mackey's like online course. (laughs) Oh, man, he's amazing. Stevie Mackey and uh, Avery Wilson. Avery Wilson. Yeah. yeah. When I hear those two sing, it's like, what in the fuck is going on? Ridiculous. Yeah. Gifted. Um, So you said that you're a church boy. Yeah. Did you ever listen to like Take Six? Yes. Okay. So want me to blow your mind a little bit? Yeah. So two of them are cousins. Really? What the (laughs) fuck? So you just had this in your family. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, um, Mark Kibble, who's one of the founders, live in Nashville. And I just, you know, spent Father's Day with him. You know, it's just like with his family. It's it's just, it's really cool. Like, And they wanted you to be a nurse? Like, what the fuck? Like, your family well, my you Filipino be- family wanted me to be a nurse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the, what the fuck what are you talking about? <laughs> like, it's in my blood. I got to do this. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool. Like, I have this kind of connection with them. And it's funny because Take Six gets like... Um, sampled quite a bit, like in hip hop and like yeah. Jay Z and Kanye and all that. I'm like, how fucking random? Random, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Does nobody know this about you? <laughs> no, it's not something I put out. But it's it's funny because people look at when I when I actually share this to people, which I also told Mark. Um, so we're related through in laws. Like yeah. my one of my aunts married to the family. And I never like made a connection with them because just because they're my cousins, right? Yeah. I wanted to kind of you know, earn my way through. Yeah. Um, but uh, Mark is like a huge fan of supportive of my work and he just loves my the way I write. And hopefully maybe we can, you know, do something together. But um, whenever I, I share the information to to a few folks, they look at me weird. It's like, wait, are they part Filipino? Yeah. <laughs> and then so I just kind of mess with their heads. Like, no, I'm part black, guys. Yeah. And I just leave. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, so it's just like I, I, I share this with Mark and he was laughing his ass off because it's like, man, it's it's just funny how like, um, you know, weird connections and familial thing. But it, it's people like him, like um, it wasn't that long ago that I, I visited Nashville. It was like a couple, like a month ago. And visiting him was another kind of reminder for me because I had a tough year. You know, mm-hmm. I lost my dad in October. Oh wow. Yeah. Not what, through COVID. Oh thank God. Oh, I was like, but well, uh, but yeah. he uh he passed away, you know, stroke and it was sudden and you know, I've have I'm having to deal with that with my family at the moment. And you know, it's to the point that it kind of clouded my what's the meaning of life? What am I doing? What the hell am I doing? You know, yeah. it, it mess grief messes with you. And it wasn't, uh, so this is like my first venture out back to the studio, back to like my usual grind as a musician. And, you know, and I visited Nashville a month ago and, you know, visiting with him was definitely a reminder of like very encouraging and just kind of centered me a little bit that like, okay, I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, and sometimes you just need those kinds of moments. And uh, as as a creative, you're a creative and y- you get really Oftentimes we just get so engulfed with the hustle and, you know, what to do next with whatever platforms that we deal with and whatever pressures that we deal with. But it's like, again, it whatever centers you, like at the at the end of it all, what is your goal and what is your purpose? And you, sometimes you just need to connect and plug in back to that whole thing. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that was... Um. Anyways, I just wanted to share that. Uh, 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 so... Your, your father had a stroke? Yeah, massive stroke. It was just in the middle of the night. It was on a Friday night. Well, technically Saturday morning. Um, and then he got care flighted to, you know, a unit, a brain unit. And pretty much, you know. Was it sudden? Pretty sudden. I mean, he had heart issues before then. But like he was very good with his health after that. And his heart was actually okay. You know, the, the involuntary part of your brain was the last thing to go. So he was breathing and his heart was 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 okay, but his brain activity was completely gone. So the frontal lobe was completely um, Oh shit, that's pretty severe. Severe. So uh, so you know, we had eventually we had to decide to pull the intubation. Oh man. It, it was one of those really sudden things and it was just hard and you know, I was pretty close to my dad. Um you know, he was an engineer. Um, very uh, philosophical dude, mm. very uh, kind of out of the box thinker. And I think I kind of got that from him in a way. Um, yeah. And he did, he was one of those guys that he knew I wasn't going to be a nurse, but if anything, he probably saw me as like an architect or, or mm-hmm. an engineer, which I actually would have been down to do. Yeah. Uh, but um, so he didn't quite understand like the music part of me initially, but I think, Early on in my career, I did a concert and when he saw me, it was like, okay, yeah. This is what you're meant to do. Yeah. So it was, um, so my dad wasn't really the most expressive dude, but um, he he was just a guy that like, I knew he loved me. I never had, he never had to show me, you know, kind of thing. He's just very steadfast. And anyways, I, I call him like, he's my buddy. Whenever I'm at home in Texas, you know, whenever I run errands, he's always just I want to go with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was pretty sudden. And, I, you know, um, it happened in October. My birthday's November, then Christmas and New Year's. Of course. And, yeah, it's, it's, and then uh, Father's Day in June. 
my parents' anniversary in June as well. So it's like there's a lot of things that's going on. And at the same time, I'm trying to move forward with my life and like, I need to create music. I need to, you know, all that stuff's going on <laughs> right now. <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy too. It's like, you know, when we get older too, like I, I never really thought about death as much until mm-hmm. like you get older, right? Yeah. And even for me now, like if I die, I'm okay. But yeah. I, but it's everybody else around me that kind of messes me up emotionally, yeah. right? Like Absolutely. I'm not ready to see other people die in front of me, but mm-hmm. I'm okay to die. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, we don't, I, I feel the same way too. I'm not very outright in saying that, but like, if I die tomorrow, it's like, huh, you know, I, I did the best I could. It's fine. Yeah. But obviously I would think about my, my family and they would be sad and stuff, but yeah, it, it's, it's really, you know, I've had family members pass away, but to have a parent pass away is like another level. You yeah. know, I think it's almost like, I'm in my 30s, but like you almost feel like an orphan, mm. you know? Yeah, like uh, being out here in LA was like the first trip in my head that like I'm moving through these spaces knowing that my dad isn't around anymore. Yeah. So it's like it, it messes with your head and I have to kind of, you know, let it go and like process it as I'm still <laughs> trying to be functional. <laughs> I mean, in your 30s, you're not expecting to lose your parents. Like, no, it's, no. It's like they still have so much life ahead of them. And yeah. when that part's taken away from you suddenly, you how do you compartmentalize these emotions? How do you deal with these emotions? Because mm-hmm. you weren't prepped for this. Yeah. Like even for me, I, so I, I was really close to my grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. So my grandmother raised me for a fat chunk of my life because mm-hmm. my parents were always at work. Mm-hmm. So even after being able to... so. While she was like in hospice care, like she had to get fed through a tube through her stomach. Yeah. She wasn't very, she wasn't functioning. She had severe Alzheimer's. She couldn't mm-hmm. remember anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, she was in hospice care like that for about like a year and a half or so. Wow. And because my parents don't speak English very well, I had mm-hmm. to take care of her while she was in hospice care Aww. all the time. Well, it was hard for that whole year and a half that she was there. Mm-hmm. But when she passed away, there wasn't as much tears because we were prepped for it. Yeah. This was going to happen. Yeah. So it's a different feeling. And if I didn't have that, if I didn't have that whole year and a half to cry it out yeah. and feel this pain, mm-hmm. I would have been wrecked. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, death never really comes at a perfect or a good time anyway. But uh, the only co- like consolation that I do have is that he passed away while I was in quarantine mm. with the family. Like I was actually in town because yeah. otherwise I probably would have been on tour other than another city and like some session somewhere. And I probably would get a call from home, but in a way, as much as that was a lot of suffering and a lot of trauma, almost PTSD thing, because, you know, it happened on a Friday. He passed away officially on a Sunday, like every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would have like these, these weird, like anxiety Mm -hmm. episodes. And then come Monday, it's like gone. It's like a weird phenomenon. That's straight up trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So now it's kind of not, there as much but i had to really deal with that but yeah it's 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 a thing you know i've, I've heard this thing too from uh, somebody else where when they lose somebody very close to them mm-hmm. that they start to feel guilt for not feeling the same intense feelings that they had when they first passed mm-hmm. because they feel like they're forgetting them mm-hmm. so they kind of force themselves to relive this trauma all the time because it makes them feel like they're not forgetting yeah. the, the person that was close to them yeah so it's like oh well, if I feel better, you feel guilty for feeling better that day because yeah. it reminds you that you're not thinking about the person who just passed away, yeah. which which is fucking nuts. Like I didn't even think about shit like that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's you know, everybody grieves differently. You know, even in my own family, they're grieving in different ways. And, um, you know, and again, back to music, it's like it's been such a saving grace for me. You know, it's like this is something that 
I not only a distraction, but something that I can process life with, even if I'm not writing about my grief, you know, even if I'm writing, as a matter of fact, the song that one of the songs that I wrote last week is just like wanting to write a song about cruising down a highway, you know, it's like (laughs) very kind of surface, but it's a fun track. But even with that, it's just like, I felt like it was a healing process just to create something, you know? So I think um, music is much more than like, a hobby that probably a lot of my family members probably thought <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's, again, it's just reinforces my, I guess, my belief that this is what I'm supposed to do for however long I'm allotted to do. <laughs> I mean, that's the great thing, right? There's no really like, there's no like expiration on it. No, yeah. And you know, what's funny. I thought there was an expiration because, you know, the societal thing, like by the time you're 27, you're out, Yeah, you know, it's, um, you know, you emphasize youth, right? Mm-hmm. Kids being like the number one um, charting artists right now and back then, right? Mm-hmm. And they just don't value like wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> That's the weird thing. It's- they don't value wisdom and knowledge and experience as I'm talking about the bigger, uh, in this music industry. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the beauty of like how we came up, you know, like with YouTube and like independent artistry and like, you know, smaller venues who host smaller artists um, or independent artists. It's like, you know, we're in an age as much as like there are some cons about internet and social media and all that stuff. I think there's also like the upside I wouldn't exist without social media. Oh, none of us would. I I definitely wouldn't be here. As much as we complain so much about it because we know like the, the, the crazy parts and like the grind it's, I'm still very thankful for it because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. It was like I said, like our purpose was so different too. It was just to share a piece Mm -hmm. of us. Yeah. And that's, and whatever happened from it happened from it. Yeah. And it was such a crazy experience. Like the, the idea of expecting nothing and getting everything. Yeah. How nuts is that? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't have thought that like I would be touring with India, Ari. I, I so wouldn't have thought nuts. that like I would write a song with her. I mean, it's, it's funny because she even did like an IGTV blog, right? And she was talking about the qualm, her, her, I don't know, like, she hates the music industry and how not hates, but like she, she doesn't like it. She's now completely independent. She, she, she parted ways with her Motown, I guess, record label. And she would talk about like, you know, the struggles of being female and being black and being a minority. And then she would talk about all these other artists about like, you should check out these artists. And like, she talked, she mentioned me and she was like, you should listen to Melissa Polinari, one of my good friends. And she's world-class. And if you don't know her, just that just means it's because the music industry just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that's you know that's what she told she told her fans and and it's like somebody like her who has like so much belief in what I do. It's just like like I did something right, you know, in a way. You like did. it's 100%. just. <laughs> Something about you, the way you move, the way you look at me. There's something.
something about the way you see things It's like a change of scenery Everything about you I just want more of But don't get any closer If this will last a little longer There's a chance I'll find myself saying There's nothing, nothing I can do To keep my heart away from you I can't help it, I can't tell you what I'm trying To get you off my mind To help me move on and just live my life I can't help it, I can't tell you what I'm trying Cause whenever you're near It's love that I safe in the shell and I can't tell if I'm living at all I've been doing well on my own but maybe it's just me who I'm deceiving cause everything about me leads right to you But let me doubt a little longer Till I turn it over and give in Cause there's nothing, nothing I can do To keep my heart away from you I can't help it, I can't tell you what I try To get you off my mind To help me move on and just live my life I can't help it, I can't tell you Cause whenever you're near It's love that I fear Of falling so helplessly Fear of losing, losing control Nothing I can do to keep my heart away from you I can't help it, I can't tell you what I try To get you off my mind To help me move on and just live my life I can't help it, I can't tell you how much I try Cause whenever you're near It's love that affirmation (laughs) it's weird you know but that's what i'm saying like goes back to like the whole purpose thing yeah and what what really means a lot to us right Mm -hmm. so we could have the like temporary adoration of like a million people yeah versus somebody that we really look up to yes like i would take that one person any day yeah right i I would i would say so (laughs) it it feels different yeah i'm not talking about fans like fans are different i'm talking about just random people that come through you know there's there's a difference in that Mm -hmm. right so like when like somebody, uh, like a buddy of mine asked, 
because they're on the YouTube space and they're very popular, right? Mm. And they go, oh, how did you get invited by this comic? How come this comic knows you? It's like, because they fuck with my stuff. Yeah. You know, and there are fans a, of your stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a weird, it's a weird conversation to have because mm-hmm. they're like, what the fuck? They like, it's like, I love them. Like, how come they never hit me up. It's like, cause they don't like your shit. <laughs> like, that's what it is. Pretty much, yeah. Like they're already established. They don't need your fucking influence. Mm-hmm. They're just looking at content. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do you think they asked me back to come back on their podcast? Why do you think they're asking me what I'm going to do stand up? Mm-hmm. It's because they like what I do. Yeah. This is important to me. I can't trade that experience off. Yeah. I mean, you have to be motivated in a deeper level for sure. Yeah. You know, and it, and sometimes it's easier to be motivated by like, you know, popularity and all that stuff, which I'm not against. <laughs> but, of course. <laughs> so not but it's against great to be popular for the things that you care about. Though. Yeah. That's yeah. what, that's where it's going to feel really good. Yeah. You know, I'm, everybody's different. Like yeah. I, I've learned now to understand that people have different motivators, you know, mm-hmm. like when people say like, oh, I'm motivated by money. Cool. That's you. That's, yep. that's okay too. Or fame. Yeah. yeah. If that's what gets you to wake up in the morning and that's what drives you, I can have an opinion about the longevity of that or not, but this is what you live for. Then you can't live for the things that I live for. Yeah. That's just is what it is. Yeah. But I think it's hard for people to see that other people have different motivating factors. And when they, we don't fit into that mold, they start to to kind of categorize us as whether we're successful or a failure. It's like based on yeah. who. And that's another thing too. How, how do you define success? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, and I've had to kind of define it in a different way now. And I, uh, it's not very concrete. <laughs> I mean, what is success though? Like you're, I find you highly successful. Like you made music that impacts people's lives. As yeah. a songwriter, as a musician, what what more is there? Yeah, like, exactly. What, what more is there? You but know? you know, it's like, you know, being a creative, sometimes you're very self-deprecating. And I've had to, even my therapist would say, you need to be more self-compassionate, Melissa. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's the struggle, you know. I uh, Because it's like, also, too, I'm not very competitive, by the way, mm-hmm. but I am, however, very hard on myself. Like, I write a good song. Cool. Now beat that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why you create great art, though. If you didn't have that, how would you create great art? Yeah. If you're not looking to kind of progress, because everybody does that, too. And yeah. People are like, hey, do you ever look at your old videos? And think it's, I think everything I've done in the back is trash because I can always feel like I do better. Yeah. Minus a few sketches where I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> You know, yeah. like there's this is fucking basketball commercial that I did. It's like a fake Nike commercial. <laughs> I still watch my own video and I laugh. I'm like, this is hilarious. Like, yeah. There's a few of them where like I'm like. moments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, I'm pretty sure when you look at some of your work, like some of them, you're like, eh, whatever. Yeah. But then that's not how everybody else feels about it. Mm-hmm. It's the, the effect was there. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like I'm saying, like songwriting for anybody who wants to try it, it's a difficult thing to do. It's, it's not easy. You know, you write a song, you still have to produce it. And a pro- if you pick the wrong producer, they'll botch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hard part, finding a producer, like yeah. people that you work with. And on top on top of that too, if you don't know how to like mix your own shit, finding a yep. sound engineer to fucking mix your vocals correctly the way you want it to is yep. completely different. It's, it's everything. It's not only the producer, but the mind. And, and it's also like, what kind of drummer? What kind of guitarist if you need one what kind of bassist because every person um like for example every bassist is different their swag is different you know like if you're if you want an r&b track you need an Mm r&b bassist you can't have a pop rock bassist i Mm -hmm. mean there's some bassists who are just very like versatile and all that stuff but you know you you have to be very strategic and like how you want to build a track and how you want to record it and 
again, if people where you think, record it matters, what mic you record it yes, matters. matter. Everything matters. Mm-hmm. And what preamps you're going to use. Like yeah. it's all different. Like the warmth, like people don't understand too, when you record on different mics, there's a different warmth to it. Yeah. And it takes differently. Like my voice will take differently from with a certain mic than your voice will take on a certain mic. You know, mm-hmm. it's, because everybody's just different. Yeah, you know? a lot of fucking belters love using these mics right here. These oh SM7Bs. yeah, because this is a uh, Michael Jackson's favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, everybody who fucking belts out of it, they fucking love this mic for yeah. recording. I would never use it to record my vocals. But, yeah, me too. Know. Um, yeah, I I use uh my favorite would have to be like a U eighty seven because they're so warm though. Those yeah. are so warm when you record it. Yeah, and then like there's a mic microphone called a Manly <laughs> <laughs> Manly mics M E M A N L E Y. And, you know, there's some, you know, these are kind of like the nerdy talks now, but (laughs) like you learn that stuff as you go. You know, I didn't know all that stuff when I started, but you know. I didn't know any of that shit because I, you know, when we record like these covers, like I, we we don't prep anything. Yeah. Because I'm just like, hey, I just want to come in and I kind of know this song and then we record it 30 minutes and I leave. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, when we started recording at different people's studios, Mm -hmm. I was like, why does my vocal sound so different? Yeah. Right. I was like, preamps different. Preamp's different. The mic's different. Mm-hmm, yep. And I'm like, oh, I hate this mic. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, I hate like blue microphones. I'm not a big fan of Dude, that at all. I do not like them. Somehow blue microphones don't really like my voice for some reason. I don't think, I think they're made for a lot of pop vocals. Yeah. Like anything with like R&B that requires like. A, like, a, like a bigger. Mm-hmm, yeah, it just bigger doesn't camber. sound fucking good. But you have like people who have thin poppy voices. It works really perfectly yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, um, I've worked with several producers who do like this kind of like test mic on me so they would like install like set up five mics at a time and I would sing the same line and then they would judge which mic would would work best for me and those are fun but um yeah and sometimes on occasion the cheaper mics like my voice (laughs) it's all different (laughs) so it's just like it's not about how expensive it is it's just how it takes your voice and how it can handle like certain frequencies and stuff so yeah, there's yeah. all this like in, in, people don't understand how hard it is to create music. Like, yeah, especially yeah. when I, I believe like the way that you create music is very vocal heavy, right? Me, so, yeah, yeah. So it requires that part to be real. There's no, there's nothing else really covering it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just your vocals. Yeah, and then obviously there's the melody, but then you know, from what I've heard from your music, it's not going to be high production that becomes like the main attraction of the song. Yeah. It's the lyrics and the vocals. Yeah, so that part is very fucking important. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's, it's fun. I mean, I've, I've, a lot of what I've released and shared with the world are very like acoustic or very singer songwriter vibe. Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, I am even interested in doing to stretch my, um, I don't know, sound and all that stuff. Not necessarily for my artistry, but just for writing because create creativity is fun, yeah. you know? So it's, uh, I was so shocked when like something random, like fucking, um, Cause you know, Kesha, she's super pop. She was a writer before she was a fucking, you know. So is Bruno. A lot of people. Yeah. Like, Bruno was writing music for everybody yeah. for years. Yeah. And then he was put into the spotlight. But you know, somebody like Kesha, that they this bimbo. I was like, you don't know her fucking catalog though. Yeah. <laughs> like She's been doing music for quite a while. Yeah. Who else who had like a Sia? Same. Yeah. She wrote for everybody. And it's to the point that like, I'm so familiar with her phrasing this is my brain working. Mm-hmm. Like there's a certain phrasing and certain like melodic nuances that each writer does that they have an identity. I remember listening to a Katy Perry song and I immediately said, Sia wrote this. And I looked up the credits. So like, sure enough. You know who, you know who that is for me? It's yeah. fucking Neo. Oh yeah. Same yeah. He chord, has a significant, yeah. Same chord progressions. Yeah. When I heard, um, 
the the John Legend song. We dance and sing somewhere. Yeah. I was like Neo. Yeah, and then you look up the credits, like sure enough, it was, it was like right there. And yeah. I'm like, that's crazy. Like I, I have, just yeah, I have those kinds of like things with certain artists or certain writers. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool to to hear that and actually recognize like. I think I know who wrote that song. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just the mode. So what are your like upcoming projects now? Um, well, you know, I'm just beefing up my catalog. Okay. And that's a very music industry thing to say. But um, yeah, I, you know, this past year I've been, um, well, first of all, when I was quarantined 2020, I set up my own music studio home setup because I had no luxury to go to studios anymore. So I had to learn all, I mean, I knew the basics, but I had to learn the preamps. I, I learned uh, universal audio, bought a new laptop, new monitors, everything. That's like, so hard. It's so hard. I had to learn from scratch, you know? I tried learning and I was like, I can't do this. I was like, this it's is fun. After a while, it gets fun. If you, you just, it like, was like everything. It was like learning a new language. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what the fuck any of this is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, What's interesting in the past year, uh, besides all the, the crappy things that has happened, um, I've been busy just recording. I, I wasn't in a writing mode, so I, mm. I didn't force myself to write. I just like, okay, let's bring out some songs that I want, I've always wanted to record and release. So the top of first half of this year, I've released a few that are technically produced by me. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, there's this one called Back to Me. Uh, with Tony Luca and then um, the one with uh, the uh, another song called Inner Me that was co-produced with 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 Jesse because he added some production elements but the latest one I technically produced it um, it's called We Started a Song that's with India Ari so we wrote that years ago but we never did anything to it mm -hmm. so I reached out sometime in 2020 I said like I would love to release this as a duet are you down? Yeah. She said, I would love to. So I've been, I waited for a couple of months for her to send me vocal stems. And I hired a guitarist, actually her guitarist uh, in New York and just put all the files together and recorded it and had just, oh, not Jesse, actually another guy to mix it and a dude from the UK <laughs> to master it. How fucking crazy. Is it's this? weird. It's just all like remote. And then, yeah, we released it. That was like technically my last single that I released. With and, India Ari. Yeah, it's called We Started a Song. It's a it's kind of inspired by like Joni Mitchell. Like because we love Joni Mitchell. When we wrote the song, we were like two soulful singers. <laughs> love like folk. Um That's crazy. You have yeah. a track with India Ari. Yeah. How I, fucking nuts is that? It's kind of cool. Yeah. It's it's so kind of cool. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's, you know, she's proud of it too. She loves the song. Because obviously, India is the type of person, if she doesn't really like the song, she will never do it, yeah. you know? And so she was, again, it's part part because she believes in me and loves my music. And um, again, so I put it all together in my little home studio. And, um, how, how fucking awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Technology. And then now, I guess, moving forward, again, like I've just been writing, um, you know, last week I wrote with Jesse. Which, by the way, I can let you hear after Please. this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, they're all kind of rough mixes now. And we're still deciding if I'm just going to keep pumping out singles or put it all in an EP together. You know, th those are like the strategic things that you yeah. think of when it comes to music. But at the moment, I'm just enjoying creativity. I'm just enjoying the writing process. I'm enjoying 
singing again. That's awesome. Yeah. And then the shows, upcoming shows with Jeremy and Gabe. And Oh yeah. And he, the three of us are trying to finish our EP. <laughs> That's another thing. That's <laughs> another <great>. EP. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. I'm so yeah. glad. Like, yeah. I, like I get really happy when I see people who I've like followed for so long still continue to do stuff that they love. Thanks. Because I think there's a lot of external factors that kind of cause them not to, right? Like I've, mm-hmm. like I've, talk to certain friends on YouTube where they were super popping when they were doing YouTube 10 years ago. And all mm-hmm. they do is talk about their past. And it's like, bro, like fucking let it go, man. Like, yeah. you're, like you're not that person anymore. Like, yeah. Like hanging onto their old laurels kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like who the fuck cares? Yeah. Like, and you know, and there's, there's uh, every time it's a conversation with them, it's about who they were, how yeah. popular they were. Yeah. It's like, well, then your heart wasn't in the right place. Like yeah. you were, you made music for, for everybody else, but yourself. And so mm-hmm. now you're looking for external validation. And guess what? That's a really tough way to live. Yeah. I mean, that would be tiring, to be honest. It's exhausting. <laughs> right? It's like, so you've never created for yourself. Like you've yeah. only created for other people. Yeah. Like how does that, how is that sustainable? Because people are, people are fucking fickle. Like they love yeah. you one day and they fucking forget you the next. Especially these days. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. a part of the game. So you're kind of investing in something that you know is going to hurt you at the end. Mm-hmm. Like you can be as popular as you want. Even somebody like Justin Bieber, 30 mm-hmm. years from now, Justin Bieber is not going to be Justin Bieber. Yeah. He's going to be just, oh, I remember I used to listen to a lot of his music. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to go through that too. Everybody yeah. has their time. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, some of these people who have a conversation with, you keep talking about something that doesn't exist. You can't grow. What mm-hmm. is it, What is your next move? Yeah. Yeah, or if yeah. you want that recognition, you got to do stupid shit to get it. If that's what you're surviving off of, yeah. you know. And you know, for me, music is just—it's not necessarily only like Melissa Polinar is an artist. Yeah, music to me is kind of whole encompassing. I could, you know, I could see myself ten, five, ten years from now, like, you know, writing for films and shows and and like, you know, for other artists, for other people, and you know, it, in genre wise too. Like people always think of me as like soulful acoustic, but. I love to write other things. Like I'd write, I'm down to even write country or folk, you know, it's like, that's awesome. I mean, I think my love for music just is, is just deeper uh, that like, I could see myself doing it for a long period of time, Mm -hmm. you know, but in different forms because I know I don't want to tour all the time. (laughs) Traveling is such a, you know, I'm a homebody. So it's like traveling can be very taxing. And especially now too with the you know, COVID and stuff, everything's halted. But then things are going getting back up again. So there's that pressure of like, oh, let's go on the road. Songwriting always lives though. Like pe- yeah. people don't even know the fucking, uh, what's it? The uh, uh, Ariana Grande song, Honeymoon Avenue. Yeah. Fucking Babyface wrote that shit. Mm. <laughs> it's like Babyface was somebody I listened to. Babyface is my, yeah. Def- I definitely have influences whenever, you know, what's funny is that my band members, like whenever I have a band, they were like, oh, that's like a baby face chord. I'm like, I don't, I didn't know I did that, but it's subconscious. It's yeah, in me. It's, it's in, <laughs> that's why when I heard all the uh, fucking Jeremy stuff, yeah. I was like, you sound exactly like Music Soul Child. His, his, his chord choices, yeah. the way his vocals, yeah. very Music Soul Child. Yeah. And, you know. It's subconscious. It's just in, in. In our thing, yeah. Like people may not hear this and I'm not sure. I haven't had a conversation with her, Mm -hmm. but I would be far surprised if fucking Tori Kelly didn't listen to Brandy growing up. I think she did. Because her her runs are very similar to Brandy's. Yeah. A lot. So I was like, oh shit. That's why I was, I gravitated toward Kelly, uh, Tori Kelly. I mean, she's a great vocalist. Oh yeah. But I, one of my favorite female vocalists of all time is Brandy. Brandy. You know what? Jeremy's favorite too. By the way. Yeah. Jeremy's 
female vocalist who we because we talk on the road, you know, when we travel, and I always we always ask these questions like, "Who's your favorite vocalist?" and he says, "Brandy." Yeah, Brandy is up yeah. there. Yeah, and so when I heard her sing, I was like, "Wow, she reminds me of a Brandy a lot." Yeah, but a lot of people don't give Brandy her due credit. This is true. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I mean, I grew up watching Moesha. <laughs> I did too. They have it on fucking Netflix. Yes, I haven't, I haven't watched it again yet, but yeah, it's definitely like memories. And I was so happy when they put the the Cinderella on, the, oh, on, on yep. Disney. Yeah. So that's that's definitely a thing. She was so she was so hot. I fucking <laughs> love her so much. <laughs> and then just like we never questioned why an Asian prince has a black and a white parent. I know. It was just <laughs> what it, it was before its time. It's just like Oh, okay. They have an Asian kid. Cool. <laughs> it is, I guess this works. This is a fantasy world anyway. There's a growing pumpkin. Who the fuck cares? <laughs> it just is what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Well, guys, that wraps up this episode of the Genius all Brain right. Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that. You can find Melissa Polinar all over YouTube, Spotify, uh, Instagram. Check out her music. One of my favorite artists of all time. Aww. And it was it was super fun having you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun. Cool. Well, Genius Brain Podcast every Thursday and Sundays, and we'll see y'all next time. Peace.